As many of you know, in 1999, I had the great privilege of making uh, my first trip to Israel with Ray Vanderland, and it set me on a journey um, that has uh, been uh, revolutionary uh, for me and trying to shape me more of disciple uh, for Jesus, and I've got a long way still to go. But because of that, I began to be very interested in uh, beginning to read the Bible the way Jesus would have read the Bible. And as Lois de Verberg says, to begin to hear Jesus' words the way that Jesus' disciples would have heard them. Well, on that trip that I took way back in 1999 was a uh, young biology uh, professor who heard the words of Jesus. But like the story in the Gospels, she ended up dropping her nets and following him more deeply into this life and into this exploration of what it means to understand Jesus in his cultural context. And that person is Lois Verberg. Since uh, we met uh, back in 1999, uh, I have kept in touch by reading what she has written, and it has been an encouragement to me. Uh, Lois writes in ways that are very accessible and very humble, And as we open our hearts and minds, I know that God will give us a message uh, through her today. So, Lois, we welcome you. Good morning. Wow, I can, oh, hello, very Uh, I should say that I feel quite at home, well, maybe not right here. I am not a pastor by trade. I tend to teach more than preach, but I I grew up in a very mainline, traditional Lutheran home, and uh, we... My church, I am very used to the, uh, the uh, I'd say, the liturgies and the standing up and sitting down. I don't know if you have the pull-out kneelers here in your pews, but we figure a real church has pull-out kneelers, you know, and we sing all the verses, and I'm enjoying that a lot. I, uh, my church I go to, we don't sing all those verses now, and so I'm enjoying that. And uh, you might be saying, and probably some of you have been hearing uh, Pastor Dave wax eloquent about his fascination and uh, you've gotten fascinated and others are oh boy some more of this jewish stuff i I, i'm i'm sure they you haven't been doing that but i wanted to share some one of the most meaningful things that i have found in my own uh journey of learning more about jesus's jewish context and when I say his Jewish context, what I, you know, if Jesus was an Eskimo, I would need to know about Eskimos. I'm kind of, you remember the um, commercial old times uh, back for the National Enquirer magazine? Uh, 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 it would say, for inquiring minds who want to know. Was Elvis taken away by a UFO? Inquiring minds want to know. And so the same part of me that wanted to know about biology wants to know about Jesus's context. If he's telling Eskimo parables, I need to know about fur and seals and snow and igloos and all of those things. And so I need to know about his Jewish context and not in a boring and dry academic way. I would like to know how can it make me a better disciple? Uh, and uh, that's what I'd like to share with you a little bit this morning. Uh, I, we uh, chose just one verse out of Luke to get us started, and it's just at the very beginning. 
Luke, it, of uh, chapter 11, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And then, of course, the rest of the passage goes on to talk about the words that you should pray and the, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and some other time, if I come back, I'll tell you all about how Jewish those words are. They are wonderfully traditional, and they are very close to liturgies that they've been praying for thousands of years. But I would like us to think of a couple other places where Paul talks about prayer. And he says crazy things like pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And those seem kind of impossible for us. You think, one, okay, I need to go to my job in the morning. I need to take out the trash at night. I need to do all these things. I can't pray continually. Jesus, of course, he was off by himself, and we were just singing this song, Come Away With Me. Well, you know what? I have to go to work. I have to take care of the kids. I have to change the diapers. How do I pray continually in the middle of this? Is this just pious, uh, waxing eloquent? Hmm. Or could there actually be a habit of prayer that is actually completely different than any of the things that we do. We do petitionary prayer. I mean, we do liturgy and ritual, but we ask the Lord to be with people. We pray for all of the things in our lives. We ask God questions a lot. There's actually a completely different kind of prayer that you can see little evidences of in the Gospels, and you can see... Uh, hints of it that go all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'd like to share a little about that with you this morning. Okay. Um, <laughs> think, let's see. Oh, and actually, let's start first with um, how many of you folks have seen the movie Fiddler on the Roof? Okay. So all of you know about the this is this Jewish peasant family in Russia and Tevya is a milkman and they're very poor and but you remember how Tevya is he's always bantering back and forth with God oh he's uh, often it's very happy but sometimes it's oh God why do you do these things why do you make my mule lame. He has this kind of easy back and forth with God where he doesn't have to go off to his little prayer closet and pray. He actually brings the Lord along with him and he kind of chats with him all the time. That actually is something that is done. Uh, maybe not uh, many, for many Jews that's not reality. Maybe that was a little bit over the top. But believe it or not, I think I have learned about a, a habit of prayer that might bring you closer to that. But let's first start with a verse that I bet you has made you scratch your head a little bit. Um, uh, in Psalm 103, uh, uh, David, King David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless his holy name. I, I'm guessing that you might be saying, why, do we, why are we saying bless? Bless the Lord. We're humans. 
And God's the one who does the blessing. Humans do not bless things. God blesses. And we certainly, of all people and all things, we don't bless God, right? Well, actually, in Hebrew, they have, they, I've spent a little time talking about how Hebrew is a very word poor language. It has about 4,000 words versus 100 or 400,000, depends upon what dictionary. They kind of stretch, a, put us a lot of meanings into each word. And the same word for bless, as in terms of God has blessed us and given us food to eat, is the same word that is being used there. And it actually does mean to praise God. You could, use, you could say, oh Lord, you are the source of all blessing. When David says, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Uh, one way they explain it is that word is barach. And it's the same word. It seems to be related to the word for kneel. And, you know, if somebody is, it will bless you, you kneel down to receive the blessing. But it's like you're mentally kneeling and saying, oh, Lord, you have blessed me. You're the, bless the Lord. That's how it makes sense in that situation. So what you find is little places where you can see evidence going on throughout the scriptures and even in the life of Jesus, various places where you see him doing this. Um, Of course, whenever they gather around food, like, you know, they have the 5,000, let's see, 5,000 people who eat the loaves and the fishes, and it says that he blessed and he broke. I'm not going to make you look it up in your Bibles, but in English, often the translators will say, he blessed it, meaning he blessed the bread. No, actually, the, the word in Greek is not there. It just says he blessed, which sounds funny to us. What do you mean? Well, if you're Jewish, you know that he blessed the Lord, because that's, that's how they said that back then. And we even know the words that he used. It is, he would have said, blessed is he who brings forth bread from the ground. Um, think of that on the night on which he was betrayed, where he uh, holds up the bread, blesses, and he gives it to his disciples. And he's saying, blessed are you, Lord, who brings forth bread from the ground. And, you know, he says, this bread is my body. It would have been understood, and yet we see more deeply into the text when we see him talking about his own body as this bread that God is going to bring forth from the ground. So you see these little hints, you have to know the culture. You know, you get these little, another place where you see this. Um, Several times after Jesus heals somebody, it will say, and they glorified God, his audience all glorified God. Um, it, what it means is they all blessed the Lord for that. They uttered a brief prayer of, oh my goodness, praise you, Lord, that you have done such a thing. Um, and in Luke 17, there's this story of uh, there are ten lepers that come to him. You remember, and then he says to them, go to the priests and show them yourself. And they are all um, miraculously healed. 
And, uh, but there was just one of them who came back. And, and Jesus says, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and bless God or give praise to God except this foreigner? You, you wonder, why is Jesus wanting or expecting people to come back to praise God? Or you, you almost might think, aren't you supposed to come thank me? Certainly Jesus isn't asking him to come thank you. Why? The reason why is because it was traditional that when... One is that when God did a great miracle in a place, you, right at that spot, you uttered a short prayer of, Blessed are you, O Lord, who did a miracle in this place. Uh, and also, when God saves you from this incredible uh, accident or from, from disease, it's traditional, actually, even till today, um, you, one of you, if you would have just had a baby, you'd come up front and you say, blessed, uh, let's see, I have that one, just a second. Believe it's, blessed is he who extends mercy to all his creature and has done every kindness to me. Might be misquoting that. You say, well, those are nice little prayerlets. That's what they are. They're just little short prayerlets. But let me describe what they're like in a person's day. And these were the ones that I'm quoting from. I'm quoting, they, uh, the written source is from about 200 A.D. So these are not new things. They have been around and they've been a part of Jewish life for 2,000 years. But, uh, okay, you are unconscious in your bed. You're laying there happily sound asleep and... You're roused awake, and before you open your eyes, there's a prayer you can pray. And it's, blessed are you, or blessed is he who has given the rooster intelligence to tell the difference between day and night. You start the Lord, start your day praising God for roosters and their ability to tell you that it's morning time. So I don't know if you've ever started your day by thanking God for your clock radio, turning itself on, but that's the way you can, if you want. And then as you open your eyes, you say, Blessed, are, blessed is he who gives sight to the blind. A lot of these little prayers are actually little quotes out of, uh, of Psalms. What you're doing is reminding yourself of all of God's goodnesses. Uh, and, you know, I should point out that that's really the reason why you're doing this. You remember David when he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Um, and in Deuteronomy 8, for the lack of time, I'm not going to read that, but it says, uh, The Lord will bring you into a wonderful, good land, uh, and you will have vineyards and crops and and you will eat your fill, and you will bless the Lord. And the very next line is, do not forget the Lord your God. And they said, that's how we will not forget the Lord our God and all of his kindnesses to us, is we will continually bless the Lord. And I find this a really nice way of 
um, not just having to sneak off to my church. I don't have to have the I don't have to have the stained glass around me in order to be with the Lord. We, I just bring them along with me all the time. And there are some wonderfully delightful, creative ways to do this. I get a kick out of the, just the creativity of some of these. Um, let me share some of these. So we've already, we've blessed the Lord for the rooster. We've blessed the Lord for waking, uh, uh, starting up our eyeballs. Um, when we crawl over to the closet and start putting on our clothes, we say, Blessed is he who clothes the naked. That'll reorient you. You know, I'm thinking about my fashion statement for the day and my, do I match and, you know, am I, am I just the right statement, you know, and I'm being reminded that, you know what, the purpose of clothes is not to empty your wallet and not to impress everybody else. They are to provide modesty and warmth and comfort. And the Lord loves everybody, and not everybody has a whole closet full. That's a good little word for yourself each morning. I uh, uh, read the testimony of a Jewish elementary teacher. He's an Orthodox teacher who uh, every day... When the children come, if somebody has on a new shirt or a new outfit, the whole class stands up and prays this prayer. It says, Blessed are you, O Lord, who clothes the naked. That's kind of amazing. It's an occasion to bring God along and say thank you. Um, let me share some other ones. Um, I get a kick out of one is when you eat a orange, and you stick your fingers in there, that zingy, fresh scent. Blessed are you, O Lord, who gives fragrance to fruit. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm from Michigan. Right now, we're under about four feet of snow. Um, it It will not be sunny for another month. We go for weeks without sunshine. And one of the beautiful ones they do in the springtime is when you see the first tree that has started one little bud and comes out, they, uh, they say, Blessed is he who did not omit anything from the world and created it with good creations and good trees for people to enjoy. It's a moment of celebration and a time to bring the Lord al- with you, rather than you having to go off to church in order to do it. Here he is, right here. Such a good idea. I want to point out one other thing about them. Um, is You'd say, well, what you're doing is giving thanks. And that's true. You're thanking the Lord. But in a way, it's different than thanking God. It's actually a little better. Because there are actually no personal pronouns in it. Whatsoever, We're very me, 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 me. Me, oh God, me and you, me, 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 me. And these prayers are actually all about the Lord. Blessed are you, O oh Lord, who gives fragrance to fruit. Uh, I think of, there's like a prayer after you see a rainbow. And, uh, you know, my traditional way would be, Oh, thank you, God, for that rainbow. And I imagine 
you know, that God is standing up there in heaven and he, he says back to me, uh, yes, Lois, I made that rainbow just to please you. And it's like I'm patting God on the head saying, good God, you did a good job in pleasing me with that rainbow. You know, when I say I thank you for God, that, that rainbow, you know, it's very appropriate to say thank you. But these are, in a way, almost a little better because you're saying, praise you, Lord, for your wonderful creation and how you blessed the whole world with this rainbow. It's not just me. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. So let me share a few more beautiful ones. When you hear thunder or feel an earthquake, you say, blessed is he whose strength and power fill the earth. When um, when you're reunited with a friend who you have not seen in over a year, you say, blessed is he who raises the dead. It's, that's interesting. That's a way of looking at it. Um, yeah, you, I have various theories about this. I think one, obviously, back in ancient times, if you, if you parted ways and the person went to a distant country, you probably wouldn't see them ever again. And so there's a great joy when you saw them again. Two, it's a way to remind yourself of ultimately your faith that the Lord will raise the dead. But um, one thing I found very interesting is next time you read the, par- the parable of the prodigal son, do you remember what the father says to his other son when, his, when the prodigal comes home? He says, he was dead to us and is alive again. It's like God has raised him from the dead. And so it's a way of uh, reminding yourself of God's amazing ability to bring people home. He's, so uh, let me just finish with a few more really profound ones. You don't just bless the Lord for happy things, you bless the Lord in times of tragedy. And uh, the way you say this is Baruch Dayan Amet. And that actually means blessed is the true judge. Uh, When we hear the word judge, once again, we hear the English picture of the man who sends you to prison and locks the door behind you. In Hebrew, the word judge is also the word for justice. It's the person who sets things straight. He's the one who vindicates the widow. It talks about God being the judge of the widows and actually means the defender of the widows. The, God, the judge is actually the just one who brings justice. And, when you're, and so the way I read this um, blessing is more about saying, Oh, Lord, I bless you, for you will bring justice in the end. You will set the world aright at the end, in the midst of the fact that my husband died, in the midst of the fact of this tragedy here. And the reason they do this is because of the Shema. You just said it this morning, you shall love the Lord with all of your heart, right? And they said, We need to love the Lord with all of our heart, not just the happy, joyful 
excited part of our heart. We need to know, we need to love the Lord our God with the angry, mournful, sad part of our heart. And we do that by blessing the Lord in spite of the situation. Think of Job where he says, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's a good model for that. So, um, let me, oh, I, actually, I should point out a couple things. One is, I'm sure you're probably thinking, boy, this is going to get a little rote over time. The, the, the goal was actually that you're supposed to say it a hundred times a day. Okay, that's a lot. It, we don't, uh, but it reminded me of a habit that I learned as a small child. I'm guessing that our acolytes, but did your moms, when you were kids, when you're really little, and you said, Mom, can I get a thing of water or whatever? And what it, she probably said, what do you say? What, please. And then she hands it to you. And then, what do you, and then she says, what do you say? And then you, thank you. Okay, how many families did not do this? Like everybody on the planet does this. Your, and your mom is making you do it over and over and over and over. And your dad does this too. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. You moms and you dads, are you doing this just to legalistically burn into them this, this etiquette that they must always say please and thank you? Or are you instilling in them a sense of gratitude? Do you notice that over, after you do this a long time, it just comes out of you? Uh, I'm imagining that most of you pray before you eat. I don't know the way you are, but when I sit down and there's lovely food in front of me, my hands just have to come up together and we pray first. It feels funny if you don't. And it's a time you just cannot stop. You cannot not stop and bring the Lord there and remind yourself of his kindness to you. Here he is. And so what they're doing is being quite deliberate about doing it a lot more than we do. And so if you want to praise the Lord at all times and bless the Lord uh, in all circumstances, as Paul did, here's a way to do so. So I have a chapter on it in one of my books. Um, I'd like to just finish with one other thought. Um, Hmm. You can imagine I'm reading, this was back when I first found this, about 15 years ago. I'm reading all of these old scratchy textbooks and dust kind of comes off of things as I'm reading about these ancient traditions. And you'd think it's just going to be textbooks material. But this was at a frustrated time in my life. I was going through some... Uh, disappointment with the Lord. You know, um, I was in love with the guy and it didn't work out. And, you know, you're sitting there saying, is it me? Is it him? Okay, Lord, what's going on? Are you just, are we not quite faithful here? Did we forget? You know, we're, and I'm a little bit angry with, and I, so I was going through some hard days. 
But I was reading about these ancient blessings, and I said, well, well, we can try them out, see how they sound. And what I found, it was a kind of a strange sensation of, of strange irony and incongruity that I'd be so disgusted with God and so frustrated with him about what he hadn't done in my life. And as I was doing that, I was peeling myself an orange. Oh, oh, but you blessed me here, Lord. Oh, and you, I went through my day, and I, I, it was like Christmas time. You know, I don't know, on Christmas morning, you have like a billion presents. You open, 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 and the, in our house, the wrapping paper is about uh, eye high by the time you're done, and you just feel oversaturated in gifts and gifts and gifts and gifts. And that's how I felt by the end of the day when I kept reminding myself of all of his benefits. And so I guess what I would like you uh, to leave you with is that if you would like to um, have a continual sense of the presence of God and a sense of his ever-present loving kindness, I would suggest that you bless the Lord continually and give thanks in all circumstances, as Paul said to us many thousand years ago. Amen.